Welcome everyone to today's episode of LaRouge Rugby and we are very excited. Uh, we're definitely feeling a lot of different emotions. Derek, I don't know, is it possible to feel sad and happy at the same time? Because that's kind of how I'm feeling right now. Uh, well, well, like, why, why are you sad and or happy? Is it because you're a Japanese Irish fan, or is it? Yeah, I mean, uh, when we did our last episode, you got some Japanese heritage that I do not know I, about. I, I don't have the Japanese heritage. It's definitely the Irish, and you know, if we ever released the videos of this, uh, everyone could see I'm currently wearing my Irish jersey. But uh, I'm happy because there is tons of rugby, and I love it. There's been a lot of really awesome games uh, going on, but. You know, there's been a few games that have uh, broken my heart a little bit, especially this morning. Um, but how are you, man? How are you enjoying this this rugby? I know I got to give give Derek props here because he is committed. He is up in the morning. He is tweeting the games. And I get up the same time as my daughter and I go, oh, look, I've got three or four games to watch throughout the day now. So kudos to you, Derek, for getting up and being committed because I am yeah. not. Well, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. It's messing up the sleep pattern a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's worth it. It's a lot of fun. Um, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I like watching games live. It's, it's more, it's much more enjoyable to actually see them live. Um, oh, unfortunately, yeah. I had, I had, uh, some other commitments last night, so I did miss the, uh, the big Japan Ireland ups, uh, victory here, but, um, I don't even know if I want to call it an upset. I'm just kind of expecting Japan to beat tier one teams now. Um, but uh, so unfortunately, I did miss that one. It's like the only game of the tournament that I've missed. So, um, but uh, so like, of course it is, right? It's that one. But um, uh, but yeah, man, it's not a lot of fun. I like it. It's it's awesome to just be able to like, you know, you can just turn on like three rugby games a day. Um, that Friday sucked. Whoever decided to not have a game on the Friday was, you know, somebody messed up the scheduling for that. Um, but uh, you know, it's got uh, five more weeks to go here, so. Should uh should continue to be, um you know every rugby fan's dream at this point in time. Yeah, and our our spouses haven't uh, left us yet because of the amount of rugby we're making them watch. So that's good. I think my my girlfriend might be thinking about it. I'm not sure though. <laughs> Maybe that's for um, other reasons. I don't know. Well, see, my my thing is is I will watch rugby while doing chores, like clean the kitchen, cooking, you know, cleaning up the the house. So. I think my wife appreciates it a little bit. Yeah, I will send mine texts at 3 a.m. and she's like, "Why are you doing this?" and try to go back to sleep. So, um, I don't know. Maybe we, maybe maybe I need to take some pages out of your book here and go uh, go do. So, I don't know. Have like breakfast prepared for her when she uh, when she like wakes up at, like halftime or like breakfast or something. Yeah, yeah. Derek's the zombie making. Yeah, Derek's the zombie there. making breakfast. And... Yeah. Uh, the I'm first thing we're doing... I'm just paying attention to the rugby game anyway. <laughs> burnt eggs. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about before we get into the games is actually we want to talk about uh, the coverage of the tournament here in Canada. Uh, so for our international listeners, uh, TSN, which is one of the largest uh, sport media channels in Canada, is covering t- uh, the, the Rugby World Cup. Um, it was a very like close to the you know to the timer announcement. Like I think it was only a few weeks before the World Cup actually happened that we had confirmation. Uh, so they they live uh, they play all of uh, the games either online or uh, they air some of the more important ones on TV. Um, and I want to get your opinion on how you, how you feel the coverage has been because there have been tons of ads. Uh, you know I've been watching a lot of hockey and they've been mentioning Canada's games, which is really cool to see. You know. 
hearing guys like Ray Ferraro or um, Gordon Miller talking about uh, the Rugby World Cup during yeah. a Leafs game was a pretty cool sight. Uh, that's for sure. So uh, how do you feel TSN's been doing um, so far with the coverage of the World Cup? I mean, I like it. Uh, you know, if they got the, you know, the obviously the great thing is like they, every game is available, which is, I mean, that's what the bare minimum of like what, what you can ask for, right? It's like the, you can see every game they are actually like all the Canada games are on like the national channels and stuff. Uh, you like every game, they're keeping every game on demand on their website right now. So you can go and back, like you can go back and watch Japan rush it open the tournament um, and then every game that has happened since then, uh, you know, at your leisure and stuff, obviously with the, uh, the time zone, uh, the time's difference, um, it's Japan is it like, you know, isn't necessarily the best time difference for people to be watching games live in this part of the world. Um, so it's like, it's really good that TSN did develop like an actual, like a nice, like, um, platform, uh, on demand platform on their website where you can watch, um, you know, every game at your, at your leisure too. And I think the cool thing about their their mobile app, uh, which I've been using a lot because we have a, an Apple TV at my house, so I can airplay the, the games onto the TV or if I'm walking around with it or if I want to put it on the iPad, is the TSN app actually has like a little section that's strictly for the World Cup. You know, they've got articles, they've got recap videos, and they have, like like Derek said, the, the uh, on-demand games. So that's been really great. And the nice thing about it is you're not having to go with paying for a paywall for extra games. Yeah. So you get all of Canada's games, you get all those games, and if you already have a cable subscription, it's free. If you don't, TSN Go is twenty-one bucks a month. Yeah, it's not. So bad. if you're if you're strictly a rugby fan and you want to watch some rugby, twenty-one bucks a month isn't isn't a hard pill to swallow, that, that, at least in my that, opinion. That that twenty one bucks though gets you every everything that TSN shows though. Oh yeah, yeah, you're you're getting everything. So, so yeah, it's not just the Rugby World Cup. Like I mean, compare in comparison to like, what, like some of the the prices we've heard like our friends in the the states are paying to watch this tournament. Like I'll gladly take what TSN is charging me to watch this right now. So um, yeah, like yeah, it's. I mean, I would like to see like. For like their halftime and like their pregame stuff, I'd like to see like more of like the actual TSN and like a Canadian crew instead of just. I mean, obviously, like they're just, they're taking the NBC feeds um, for a lot of the games, um, so we get a lot of the like you know that that American perspective and stuff. So it'd be nice to see a little bit more of like a Canadian focus on like the you know like the halftime shows and everything like that. But that's, uh, but I mean that's the way it is usually. Yes, TSN does that for a lot of games. Like we even. Even, like, you know, living in Canada, we get, like, you know, if it's Sportsnet or TSN or CBC or whoever, it's, like, we get to even get a lot of hockey games that we just, like, uh, they just take, like, the TS, the NBC feed or whatever, um, local uh, local broadcast companies are in that hockey game. So, it's, like, yeah, we're kind of, yeah. it's what we're used to. Um, it'd be nice to see more, like, actual Canadian content interjected into, like, the pre, post-game and halftime parts of the uh, broadcast. Um, but other than that, I, like, you can't really complain about it too much. I do like... Um, that it appears that Major League Rugby has been pumping some uh, advertising money in, so it's like you get to see some, uh, you know, Major League Rugby commercials and stuff at halftime, which I really like because it's like those are showing up on like national TV and stuff now too. Um, so as well as like TSN streaming sites, so it's 
it's good to, you know, obviously the people that are watching the Rugby World Cup are like your core audience that you want to attract to Major League Rugby. Um, so it's good to see them, uh, you know, advertising directly to those people or any of the new fans that have, you know, started watching rugby with this Rugby World Cup. They can see that ad and be like, sweet, I can watch rugby. You know, when does this, uh, when does the season start? You know, you can go check out the site, get all the announcements of like the schedule dropping and everything like that. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the way it's been covered so far, um, you know, for maybe some more, a little bit more of Canadian focused coverage would be nice. But um, I mean, you get every single game. It's at a fair and reason. It's at a fair and reasonable price. And uh, yeah. And, you know, it's been reliable. I haven't had a stream drop out yet um, for me personally. So um, that's. You know, there's not not really a whole lot to complain about. Um, so, I mean, hopefully TSN, uh, hopefully TSN's getting their money's worth out of the, uh, you know, putting these programs on with advertising or with viewership and everything, even though the games are at, like, really early hours of the morning. And, uh, you know, hopefully it uh, gets them to maybe, you know, pump some more resources and stuff into uh, showing rugby games outside of, like, the World Cup and stuff going forward, too. And there you have it. And I think the other thing too is uh, they they have done a few games. I think Tia on Saturdays they've been doing a game of the day, and yeah, and then they do the the, the commentating halfway. And I think they've been doing it for Canada's games as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that uh, uh, the team of Brian Spanter and um, Angela Burke, and then and then they kind of been alternating the the host uh, with a few different people. They 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 I've really enjoyed what they were doing, and they did it for the uh, Repechage tournament as well. So. Yeah, like it, I, I agree good. with you. I, I just, think it's, it's they, they do a really good job. See more of more of it. Get them to do like, you know, get them to do like more of the, like the maybe not maybe they don't have to do every game, but like the bigger games of the tournament and stuff too. Yeah. I hope we get to see more of them for like the uh, like the the knockout rounds and stuff as well. It'd be nice to just get like the have like on TV get like that Canadian perspective on the tournament. For sure. For sure. All right, so Canada first game. Falls to Italy, 48-7. to You know, going back a little bit of history, even to the last World Cup, the game was a much closer game. Canada lost 23-18. And in that game, at one point, Canada was actually even 10-0. Yeah. So this game is really a reflection of what Derek and I have been talking about for the last, you know, almost year is the Canadian program has really taken a lot of steps back in this Olympic uh, World Cup cycle. You know, it, there are a lot of problems in this game, um, and they're just, you know, I feel like we're just going through the motions. Same old, same old for Canada, you know. You know, handling issues, line-out issues, too much box-kicking to start a game, you know, not holding on to possession. Uh, and, like, they're just things that, like, they've known about. Like, these are things that we've... You know, people have talked about with Canada and coaches said we're going to work on it and then they don't. So we're not going to focus on Canada first because I feel like we've said a lot. Um, but what did Italy do so well to control the play, Derek? What did what did they really excel at? Uh, well, one, their, their counterattack just to start the game uh, was really good. They got the, you know, they used that counterattack to put the... Uh, you know, that ball behind the Canadian defense and forced Parfrey to uh, bring it back over the line and ground it, which led to their first three points, um, basically instantaneously. Um, so that play started after a McCrory box kick, um, and then they just countered to counterattack the box kick. Um, so, but, like, I think, 
I think the one thing that Italy did did really well um, in this game was that they, you know they they got out to that super fast start. Um, they, uh, I mean, obviously we can talk about the you know some of the biggest issue that Canada had for the game was that they seemed to not be able to make a tackle. Um, so th- there was a lot of at the start of the game. There was a lot of missed tackles. A lot of the Italian players were being very elusive. Um, you know, uh, Jake uh, Jake Pelledri, um set the uh, you know the world rugby record for defenders beaten in this game. Um, just it just seemed every time that guy touched the ball, he was just you know Canadian red jerseys were like hitting him and then bouncing off of him, or you know just not even being able to get a hand on him. Um, so he had a really good game for that. And but because you know they were made, forcing Canada to make difficult defensive plays, they were able to get behind their defense a lot. Um, um, you know, there was there was that section of the game um, after Italy did go up 17-0 um, from about the 15th minute to, say, about the halftime, really, where Canada was actually playing pretty well. Um, and, you know, they were actually controlling most of the most of the game. They're controlling the, you know, they were controlling the territory. Uh, Nelson and Parfrey were doing a really good job with the kicking game to give Canada that territorial advantage. But, like, the Italian defense just... Like they, they like they held their ground and like they wouldn't give up. They didn't give up any penalties. Like they were super disciplined. They didn't give they didn't give Peter Nelson like a chance to, to even like you know kick at goal to you know try to you know just to get the scoreboard ticking over to actually get Canada back into this game. Um, there was they and then you know they had a couple of plays too when Canada did break through the line. Um. Uh, Matteo Minazzi was doing really well as a fullback, kind of like the last line of defense there. He had some nice tackles that, uh, you know, uh, basically prevented tries. Um, obviously, Canada, um, you know, kind of was a little bit of their own worst enemy at times, too. Um, you know, the, uh, the if Matt, Matt Heaton holds onto that ball um, and scores that try, it's like, you know, cuts the lead to 17-7. Um, you know, maybe, you know, it changes some momentum. Maybe the game looks a little bit different. Um, but, you know, I think, I think for one, Italy's set piece um, was a lot better than Canada's, especially the line. Like, just, like, executing the line out, too. Plus, I mean, all of Canada's handling errors, um, looking at the stats here, uh, looking at the, the, uh, the, actual, um, the stats from the game, so Italy had 13 scrums uh, that they were able to feed versus Canada's four, um, and obvious and like you know they were able to they got scrums so frequently because of Canada's handling errors and you know and other things, but um, like they were able to use that to kind of control the play, get the ball out, control their own territory. Um, uh, but yeah, like those the they had. Um, you know, they were able to, they offloaded efficiently, they were able to, uh, they offloaded efficiently, they were able to force, you know, they had in total, uh, I, I won the biggest, in total they had 43 defenders beaten um, to Canada's 14, so they were like, they were just wreaking havoc on like the Canadian defense, they have 44 carries beyond the game line, um, it's like, you know, there's some uh, staggering numbers there just from you know how they, they they were able to really cause a lot of problems for the Canadian defense just in running the ball, um, which you know ultimately is kind of what uh, led to them to be able to win this game. Yeah, and I think certain stats like tackles missed forty three from Canada. Yeah, uh, the turnovers won for Italy. 
You know, 89% success rate in defense where Canada had a 72% success rate. Uh, 11 penalties conceded with a, with a yellow card, you know, like, and, and the, just the whole possession, uh, you know, territory, you know, possession for, for Italy was 55 to 45 for uh, Italy. And even in the first half, it was even worse, 61%. So uh, it's and, definitely, and that's and that's even with that stretch of Canada playing really well from about like the fifteenth to twentieth minute to halftime, where they were actually kind of they they almost I I tweeted a a picture of because uh, World Rugby's website uh, for the Rugby World Cup is amazing with the uh, like the live tracker for all the stats and stuff. Um, if you haven't been like looking at it, man, when you're watching a game, just pull it up. It's actually it's very well done. Um, but they, uh, you know, but if you, I tweeted out a pit, like a screenshot of it and it was saying, it's like, you know, the territory in the last 10 minutes and it was like, you know, close to 70% in favor of Canada, um, which is, you know, kind of like the way, like, but, you know, for the rest of the game though, it's like Italy was in complete control of that. And I think Italy too, like, I believe, you know, their captain Dean Budd said after the game that during that stretch, you know, Canada left three tries off the board which is true. Um, it was just like their own handling errors and everything that, you know, uh, prevented it. But, um, but like outside, but like that, that was Canada's chance to kind of climb back into the game. And then when they came out for the second half and Negri scored the, a try just three minutes into the second half, you could kind of feel that like Canada missed their chance to climb back into the game at that point. And then Italy just pulled away from that, that moment of the game on. You know, I, I wrote down as a question, you know, what does Canada need to change to make a bigger impact against the All Blacks? But we've kind of just mentioned it all, you know, we, we need to clean up our, our, our handling. You know, if we're going to make a larger impact against the All Blacks, yeah. we need to just be able to finish. And, you know, that's going to be even harder against the All Blacks. They're, no, you know, well, yeah, like that's the thing. It's like, I mean... Canada obviously, you know, was one of the the lowest ranked teams at the tournament, and and even even still, like there was like you said, like, there's times in the game Canada did look really good, and I don't think, I don't necessarily think Italy's forty one points better than Canada, um, if the, even with what the ranking said, what the scoreboard says in this game, like I said like Canada left a lot of points on the board just based on like their own errors and stuff, but like that's that's part of playing teams like Italy, like those tier one nations, mm-hmm. um, is, is that it's like, yeah, like if you don't take advantage of your opportunities, like you might not get another one. Right. And, you know, in the second half, Canada really didn't have that many, um, scoring up. They had a couple, but they weren't. And even those, like they weren't necessarily able to finish. Obviously Andrew Coe's try was actually a really nice try, um, from the set piece there, but even that one had a handling error. There's a pass that went to deck on that try too. Um, but so it was just kind of like, they're, they were just kind of making things harder on themselves. Um, you know, like you can't, if you have a chance to score a try against the tier one teams, you have to take advantage of it because especially like for the all blacks, if you don't score your try, like you might not get a chance for another one. Um, you know, so, I mean, I think we were like looking at, it's like all the betting sites and stuff are not exactly give painting a favorable picture for Canada here got like you know spreads around like 60 like just normal betting odds at like a thousand to one and stuff um i believe is what you said you found earlier today but, oh yeah, uh, yeah but uh yeah so it's like a thousand to one odds on some betting sites so like, that's kind of crazy 
Um, so it's like in order, like in, I mean, in order to do that, you got to take advantage of when you actually get the opportunities to do that. Because one, like the All Blacks aren't going to give them many. Um, so it's like if they do, like you gotta, you have to, you can't, uh, you know, you can't, you can't drop the ball within five meters. You can't turn it over. You can't, you know, throw an errant pass back that's, you know, just goes to deck and you know is able to be turned over. Um, and you definitely cannot be missing tackles at this rate against the All Blacks. Um, if, you know, like, if, if they miss tackles at this point again uh, against the All Blacks, that could be, like, Italy put up 48 on you. Um, the All Blacks could double or worse That's uh, that total. Um, if you're going to be, you know, if you if you miss tackling Artie Savea, he will make you pay for that. Um, yeah. um, and I, I but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's really it is it's going to obviously the All Blacks are a tough task. It's, you know, they, they're the best team in the world. Um, three World Cups, they just constantly dominate everybody. Um, so it, it should be, it'll be uh, you, you just can't make the silly, the silly errors. You just can't. Um, you know, it's like you just like you know on your lineouts. It's like there was uh, Eric, Eric Howard and Benoit Pifferel both were overthrowing lineouts. Um, and it's like just you know just even if you have to simplify the plays in the lineup, just do it just to make sure you know you can retain the ball and run your set play. Um, so you might have to like kind of just you know simplify the game a little bit to beat them. Definitely do not kick the ball to Bowden Barrett or whoever they're gonna have playing fullback. Um, because that's just, you're just waiting for that counterattack. Um, <laughs> Canada, like we, we've talked about it before. Canada does box kick possession away a lot. I know, um, Al Sharon had at least one tweet where he voiced his displeasure for the box kick during the Italy game. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, honestly though, like there's that point, the point where Canada was actually playing really well, they abandoned the box kick like that, um, during that match with Italy. Um, so I would like, I would honestly, I would like to see them do it again. Cause it's like, if you're, if you're going to start throwing up box kicks to guys like Richie Mwanga, Bowden Barrett, Sivu Reese, um, you know, George Bridge or whoever the all blacks lineup is actually going to be, um, which they're coming off a day of rest. And because Italy's got the two bonus point wins, they might actually be looking at this game. Like we need to go put up a score on Canada, um, because we got to ensure our spot in the, uh, you know, in the quarterfinals and stuff too. Um, so it's, uh, so, I mean, like if you start putting up like box kicks to those guys and giving them opportunities to run the ball back, um, you know, like that could be a long day. So I think, I mean, I, hopefully, you know, the forwards can put in a hell of a shift uh, against the all blacks and, um, you know, like, that, like, and, um, you know, just hold on to the ball and try to make something happen with that. Um, clean up the handling errors. Um, just you know, clean up the yeah, clean up the handling errors. Make your tackles, and you know, hope maybe you'll end up being all right if you just stick with that. Well, we'll see. We will see for sure. Yeah. Uh, Canada and New Zealand play next Wednesday, I believe, uh, early in the morning, like all the rest of the games. So it'll be very interesting to see how that game turns out. So, um. Like the All Blacks obviously are kind of known for having like they got that like aura surrounding them, um, with obviously like the solid black jerseys, the Haka. Canada, I don't know what the actual rules are or if you're able to do that. Wear the black jerseys, mess with the All Blacks a little bit, spin it around on them, show up, 
even even if you can't play in them, warm up in the black jerseys. Like even if the, even if you have to change to red, just let the All Blacks see another All Black team on the field or whatever. Just mess with them with that. Uh, do something. I don't know. Get uh get Tyler Ardron to like remember like remind them how good he actually is in Super Rugby too. And I do believe that they've got a white kit. So I mean, the All Blacks have a white kit. The, you got a white kid at this at this if, World Cup. If England can wear their alternate against the United States, the All Blacks can wear their alternate against Canada. Yeah, let's let's start a petition or something to make that happen because that would be pretty damn cool. And maybe they play we well some, in the black. We'll get some calls to bounce our way too, because the ref will forget which one the All Blacks are. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, so in this game, Canada also received uh, some troubling injuries. Uh, in the forward pack, and especially with their centers. Both Nick Blevins and uh, Ben Lesage are done for the tournament. Um, Lesage is going to have in, uh, surgery on his hand, and I can't remember what happened to Blevins exactly. Uh, broken, uh, jaw. broken jaw. Broken jaw. So they are both done. Uh, in their absence, uh, Rugby Canada has called up two Toronto Arrows, uh, Giuseppe Dutrois and Theo Sauter. You know, we'll we'll get into what those guys might bring and what the you know the lineup is. And uh, we also had an injury to Lucas Rumball. Uh, it sounds like he's questionable for the next like game Lucas or Rumble not. Is the toughest human being on the planet and is going to play with this stuff. But... Yeah, because it was a broken finger, correct? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So with all these injuries mounting up, uh, I saw somewhere with that Kyle Bailey might not. Um, be uh, game ready for the next game as well. Who do you think is going to have the most impact uh, not being on the field for Canada? Well, I think, like, the, the pack is is really taking some blows here. Um, you know, I think, like, if Rumball is going to actually miss time with the uh, fractured finger, um, you know, if he toughs it out and plays, um, I'm, like, that good, good for him. Um on uh, uh, we'll like you know I'll I'll take whatever you know I'll take I'll take Lucas Rumble at eighty five percent or whatever over no Lucas Rumble at all, um but I think you know you kind of like see like how long Evan Olmstead's out for Kyle Bailey's out Lucas Rumble's now out like that's a significant chunk of the pack, um and that's and you know Kyle Bailey is normally the guy that calls the plays in the lineout, um so that's you know that's a loss there um. So it's like you kind of lose that like leadership and stuff too. Um, I think it just, but it's you know it's just it's it's a tough one. It's going to be tough because if you got to play, you're like you're not necessarily you're like no disrespect to you know Josh Larson or Connor Keys or the guys that are coming in to fill the spots due to injuries and stuff. But it's like if you're you know lining up like your second choice pack against the All Blacks or you know the Springboks, um, it's like that's that could be a very long day. Um, for for the uh, for the guys that are on the pitch, um, and you know Olmstead Olmstead uh, Olmstead Rumble and um, Bailey are uh, huge losses um, in that regard. Um, even like you know you kind of I thought like you know Kingsley Jones is you know doing what he can with those injuries and stuff, and it's like you know Mike Shepard's play, playing slightly out of position, normally a uh, second row, had him playing flanker, um, but you know so it's um. It's like I think those ones are bad. The the centers are obviously a very interesting one. I think 
Um, I think though it's like you can maybe maybe I don't know how um, Kingsley Jones is gonna handle this. Whether he's gonna start shifting guys um, from the you know the outside backs to have them come and play center. Uh, you know maybe um, or just you know just straight up replace them. Put you know move Hearn and Trainer off of like the bench and then. Um, but uh, I don't know, man. What do you what do you think uh, the, uh, Kingsley Jones is gonna do to replace the uh, uh, in the centers here? Well, I think it's interesting that they, they called up Souter because it sounds like I personally think that they they, they might want to move Parfrey into the center position. Uh, his playmaking ability and his kicking ability is something that uh, could lean towards being beneficial. Um, and then it, it leaves Souter in the, the 15 jersey. You know, or they might move DTH in with Taylor Paris back, have Paris and and Hassler on the wings. If Paris is back too, yeah, we still don't know. But I mean, at wings, we kind of have a plethora of of players. You know, I thought Co had a strong game coming off the bench, so I wouldn't mind maybe seeing him be given a shot uh, if we move DTH. I mean, again, I from the start kind of said maybe we need to put DTH at the center just because we did, we just played played a tier one nation with two amateur centers. Yeah. You know, at least with Heron, an amateur, amateur scrum half. I mean, at least with with Heron, we could say he was playing pro rugby this calendar yeah, year. Yeah, he's he's not like maybe not necessarily signed with the team right now, um, which is the same situation that Peter Nelson's in. They're just yeah, uh, they just don't like they're, they're pros. They just don't have a contract with a club. Yeah, but but in you know in pro. the 2018 2019 season, I mean, Karen Hearn was with the Irish. Yeah, so. Exactly. So you know he 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 has been playing against high quality competition. I mean, yeah. Blevins and and I mean I can't you can't really blame Lesage so much as you know because he was still at school. Um, but you know I, I I personally felt that I saw the difference between the amateur players and the pros that were on Canada. So I think that now we have an opportunity, and this is really where the arrows and MLR are really showing the benefit to Canada is we, we do have a little bit more depth. I mean, they might not be the same level as our starters, but it's depth of game ready guys that we might not have had at the last world cup. Yeah. uh, I I don't necessarily remember the injury scenarios in the last world cup for for sure. So I hope someone corrects me on what I'm saying. Uh, But I do think that, uh, there, there's going to be a combination there. He does have a little bit of flexibility. I mean, I'm surprised Connor Trainer's not being used. Uh, I'm, you know, to, to his full potential. I think he had a really rough USA uh, game in the Pacific Nations Cup, and that kind of made everyone think that he was washed out. But I, I definitely saw glimpses of his talent throughout the PNC and other and other play throughout the year. So, you know, it is a very interesting situation. Me, if I'm, you know, personally, if it's me, and if 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 Taylor Paris is is healthy, put him on the wing, DTH at thirteen, and then uh, or Parfrey twelve. You know, I think the Parfrey DTH thing is we need to start putting at center and then put Souter at fullback. And I mean, again, Souter's size worries me a little bit, yeah. uh, especially with guys like that All Blacks pack barreling down on you when when you know you're receiving a kick but he's a wiry little bastard so 
I think that's probably their best option. It's and, interesting. And, like, I mean, obviously, like the other part of this, you know, you could always, you know, start Shane O'Leary at 10 and then you can shift Nelson, you know, to center two. Uh, Nelson, I think Nelson plays, he definitely plays fly half and fullback, but I think he's capable of playing in the centers too. Um, so, I mean, like there's Kingsley Jones has, he's got options, which, yeah, like, um, you know, it's good. Apparently, uh, you know, obviously you can just start Detroit at center. Like if that's what he's, gonna be you know be here for Detroit is pretty much a, a pure center and he was uh you know he had a really good season for the arrows he had a lot of uh you know he was he's got a really good like vision and uh for the game as well and you know he uh makes like a lot a lot of the play calls from the back line for the arrows um you know he called um you know Spencer Jones try against um against New York earlier this year uh the the or uh was it yeah but um, the like you know they made the play call on that try, um, in order you know during like in a crucial moment of the game that flat pass from McKenzie to Jones, um, was apparently called by Giuseppe Detroit. So, um, if uh, so it's like I mean he he does bring like a lot of like value that could be used. So I mean and you know centers his natural position. So maybe you know maybe that's even something that Kingsley Jones can look at too. It's like this is you know you brought Detroit in to replace. Um, you know, the, uh, the injured centers, and maybe you can just fire him into that lineup too. So, again, guys, we have a little bit of flexibility here. So it will be interesting to see the lineup uh, that, that will be uh, announced, hopefully, in the next few days. And, uh, you know, to just uh, finish off the on the topic of injuries, uh, you know, Justin Blanchette had to uh, announce his retirement. Um, sounds like, you know, some concussion uh, concussion issues, uh, with him. So, um, it's, uh, that's, that's really unfortunate, you know, working, you know, working so hard to get to the world cup and then to have it, not only your world cup come to an end, but your, uh, your career, uh, come to an end as well, just before, uh, the, the world cup starts. And if anyone's not in Canada, um, we recently celebrated a day called Rowan's law day. Uh, it is a raw, a law that was passed, uh, in Canadian legislation about, um, protecting athletes and making sure that uh, we are having concussion spotters and we are having the proper concussion protocol, especially in rugby. Uh, refs are being trained to um, spot new, uh, spot these these uh, issues or, or sites or warning flags with concussions. Um, it was announced when I was, when I was with my local club that referees will not have a blue card that uh, if they pull that out, means you have to get off and you need to be checked by your trainer. So um, what I'm trying to say is, is, is Justin Blanchett is making a very brave decision uh, by retiring now. You know, I've had histories outside of sports with concussions. I was uh, got one in a car accident and it is nothing I want to wish on anybody. And I think that to make this decision is, is very brave of him because he definitely could have gotten a contract in MLR possibly somewhere else, you know, he played very well for Canada. Um, but to take care of yourself uh, mentally, because you can always heal a shoulder, you might have, or, or, or a knee, you know, you might be wearing a brace uh, or something like that when you're, you know, 60 years old. Uh, concussions really have a lasting impact. So good on him for making that decision. Uh, and we wish him the best. Uh, you represented Canada well, and, and we hope that retirement is good to you. But we're going to move on now from Canada because it hurts my heart sometimes to talk about them. 
especially when after a loss like this, that's so frustrating. And we're going to talk about the Japan game then. Yeah, no, we're not going to talk about that game either because that also makes me sad. Uh, but what we're going to talk about what games at the World Cup don't make you sad. Uh, what you, you seem like rugby makes you sad for some reason. Like, I don't, uh, I just take things so personally. I don't know why it just yeah. hurts. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. I need to, that's a soul searching question. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but you know, it, it dives into uh, the next question, which, which games have we enjoyed the most? And I think I'm going to go first because I don't want you to steal the game that I want to say. Uh, and it was Uruguay versus Fiji. Yeah, well, and he's I mad. Mean, yeah, that's that's obviously all right. All right. Uh, and you know what? I think we both really enjoyed that game. So another game that I really enjoyed was actually the opening game of the tournament. Uh, Ooh, I yeah. like I like fast paced rugby, which is funny because I'm an Irish fan. Uh, if I'm gonna watch a game, I want it to be like forty to thirty. I want it to be fast paced, and while the the game actually wasn't high scoring uh japan versus russia was actually very enjoyable um you know russia really started really well and uh, started with pace and and they were really you know trying to be as creative as possible um i don't have their roster up in front of me but uh you know their wingers scored a try very quickly and stunned the crowd and then uh one of their flankers was just aggressive and fun to watch and uh, i really enjoyed that game and then and then Japan, the way they play rugby is fantastic. It's fun. It's creative. But it's not like Fiji creative where you're just, it looks like they're just literally running around causing all the chaos that they can. And that's what they want. Uh, There is a level of structure to how Japan finishes and and, and plays the game. There's kind of a a surgical approach to it that's different than some of the other tier one nations in I was saying to Derek before we started this, I watched the first half of the the, uh, the Ireland-Japan game, and that's what you saw from uh, the, in that game is Japan had a killer, killer counterattack against Ireland, and I'll have to watch the second half of that game to see how, how it broke down for, for, for Ireland. But uh, Derek, you really liked the, the Uruguay game? Yeah, I think uh, that that Uruguay Fiji game was awesome. It had a you know little bit of everything. There was some uh, some flashy plays, some big hits, um, you know, some good uh, set piece work from both sides. Um, the uh, the Fijian kicker. Um, uh, hold on, let me just pull up. I'm blanking on uh, Matavisi, I believe. I'm blanking on his name. I apologize, um, but. Uh, like he obviously, you know, he kind of he kind of uh, struggled a little bit, um, which uh, really really did sort of really did kind of open the door for uh, for Uruguay here. Um, yeah, yeah, Josh uh, Josh Matavisi, yeah. Um, so like he, he like he obviously struggled, um, but uh, you know it kind of opened the door for uh, Uruguay to uh, have a, have a magical moment at the World Cup. Um, you know, picking up one of, you know, one of just their, like, their few wins that they've had. Um, a lot, the one thing that I really did like about this game, basically from um, our perspective, um, is the MLR guys for Uruguay looked really good in this game. Um, Santiago uh, Arada had an unreal try, um, just kind of, you know, picked the ball up from the back of a rock and just kind of shredded some defenders. Um, World Rugby put the uh, that little Super Mario, like, star video up of him which is pretty funny um so uh, that was really good 
um, from the, the Toronto Arrows point of view, uh, Gaston Mirez, unreal game. Um, he had a really he had a really nice uh, you know he you know uh, really nice take under the high, uh, high ball, shredded a couple of defenders to set up uh, one Manuel Katz try. Um, also, uh, I don't know how Juan Manuel Cat does not have. I don't believe he has an MLR contract. Um, somebody could correct me if I'm wrong on that. I'm not really, um, but uh, I think he's still just playing in Uruguay. So, I mean, somebody, anybody, please jump on that guy um, and go get him signed somewhere. Um, Manuel Diana um, had an unreal game. I am so excited to watch this kid play for the Toronto Arrows next year. Um, he's just, you know, he's a really really strong ball care carrier really good uh he's you know really good at it he knows kind of like where to go um you know following a set piece and stuff always gets himself in the right position whether it's reacting to what fiji was doing or whether it's you know where to carry the ball uh which side of the scrum and stuff to carry the ball and everything on um and you know he was able to pick up a try um himself uh, he's a really good ball carrier powerful runner um and he's great on defense so um it'll be I'm excited to see him, uh, you know, play with the Arrows next season. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, watching that game. There's obviously, you know, it obviously has a little bit of a historic moment. It's like the first upset of the tournament. Um, so that was a lot of fun. Um, they said, I mean, like, Fiji definitely had their chances, but they just, um, you know, they squandered it a little bit with their kicking game. And uh, Philip Urchisi was the exact opposite. He was, uh, he was money all night um, off the tee. Um, so it was, uh, it was just a great very entertaining all around game two things one it was Vala Vala that started in the game that was kicking he uh, was 25% for kicking so far in this tournament for his conversions he's 100% for his penalty goals he's 25% for conversions and that 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 is a good point that that is just going to kill you and uh he's, well it, it's hey man they lost by 3 and missed like four con what did, they, what did you just say they missed? They missed... He missed... I just know he missed 20, uh, 25% of his uh, his uh, conversions. So yeah. I don't know. I, that That's for two matches. So I don't know... Uh, I don't know how many that was uh, for in, in the Uruguay game. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Like, if... Make those kicks, man. It's... Um, you know, and they lost by... But it's like... Hey, but, I mean... You could say that though, but it's you know they uh, they really they really deserve to win. Uruguay deserved to win 